everyone, and welcome to episode 239 of Final Fantasy Union. I am your host, Daryl, and I'm here with Lauren. Hello! How are we today, Lauren? We are okay. We finally have snow. Oh my goodness. I just started snowing. I mean, like, so where I come from in America and Pennsylvania, we used to get like four foot of snow. That was like a standard a standard winter season and we would at least have like a few things of like four foot snow so over here um in the uk especially in the southeast like we just get like nothing we haven't had any for the last like couple years or so we definitely had some at our last house i know ali yeah ali um i have pictures of her walking out in the snow but not since lizzie's been alive i don't think so no um but Oh, it's so nice. I just, I love it. It, um, even though it's like freezing cold, I, I do love snow. I really like this part of snow. Mm. I really hate the slush. Mm. The slush is the worst. Yeah, slush, or if you have to get anywhere. Yeah, but like you know, lockdown. I'll, I'll take some. I'll take some snow. Yeah. Um, but yeah, how are you, Daryls? I rarely ask you how you are. That's okay. I mean, I'm, I'm the host here, right? So it's, my, it's not my job to talk about myself. But your feelings are valid. So how do you feel? I feel okay. Yeah, it's nice. I can see the snow too from, from my position. Oh yeah, you can see it from the mirror. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have a big mirror behind me and he can watch from the mirror. Good job, Daryls. But no, I'm, I'm, I'm excited about everything. I think um, we've got some really cool topics to talk about today mm-hmm. and um just in general with the way that everything's going with with final fantasy union i think the youtube channel we've we've managed to pump out some good content recently and i'm really excited about everything we've got planned for the rest of the year yeah yeah it's going to be really exciting times and on that note today's topic actually is going to be about final fantasy 10 so we recently did a video talking about the parallels that we feel exist between uh, Titus. I'm going to say Titus. In the video, I said Titus because it's story <laughs> related. And it, and I'm going to explain this. Anything that I do about 10 that is kind of story related, I feel needs to be official. Mm. Anything I do that is not specifically story related is not official. It's mm. not law based as such. So I don't. Like if I'm on the podcast, I will never say Tidus, I don't think. I think it's when you when you're thinking about when you have to think. Like if it's a script, you can like say like okay, I'm gonna say I'm gonna purposely say Tidus. But when you're in conversation, it's just too easy. Well, to you just say that. But apparently, even though I said that, <laughs> every single time I have um, desperately tried to say Tidus throughout the the videos. I still managed to slip in a Titus without even noticing, and none of us catch it. I, I don't know. catch it when I say it. I don't catch it when I'm editing. You don't catch it when you're editing. No. There's like numerous loops it should go through. and It just goes in and out. Yeah. It's, I think but it's just it's okay. because it's just been so ingrained in us. It I is, know. It is Titus. It will always be Titus. That's why nobody should really take it personally or get all antsy over it. Like, yes, it's fair enough. We 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 accept, we acknowledge that it's the official... The official way of saying it, but like ultimately, our habits prevail. I do think though that the even though it is the official way of saying it, their 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 reason for it being the official way also makes it harder to take. Mm. Like it's not like it was planned or anything; it was accidental. Mm. And accidental, accidental knee kick to the face, accidental. Exactly. <laughs> so it's yeah, it's always it's always going to be a hard one. But anyway, so our topic for today is. Is just talking about why we always go back to 10. Mm. I think I'm at the moment in in where I am in life, I feel as though 10 is 
my favorite game now mm. I've, I've i've wrestled with 10 and 7 for a long time but i think i'm quite confident now in saying 10 and it's it's a game that you and i could talk about for hours yeah with with no real breaks it would be coherent discussion and we're going to try and prove that today <laughs> that's going to be our main topic like why what is it about final fantasy 10 that always draws us back in mm. and makes it so that it's so easy to discuss and why we like discussing it so we've each picked one one aspect of the game that we feel um stands out as one of the things we always go back to and why we like it and we're going to discuss those in in some detail mm. I, I think but before we do we are going to give our shout outs to our executive producers on patreon and we're going to kick things off with lewis james zach duranto rachel casterton at drunken Vieira, barry norton at nortron zero zelda clone at apes type novels Joseph Robertson at Pokemon Trainer J. Alex and Rachel Troutman at Akira Namejin. Miles Ribbons. Billy Jackson at underscore Billy Jackson. Thurin Bullen at Massacre 23. Tom Hughes at Tom underscore Hughes 22. Guillaume Potato. Noah Luttrell. Ryzen. Sam Ennis. Chris Willis. Fayez Bilal. Joshua Johnson at The Cancer Bus. Freya Stella. Lauren Luscombe. Tim Michael Vern at Phoenix02SA. Marco Lulu. And Timmy Turner's babysitter. Thank you so much, Thank guys. You. I feel like one time we should just like mix it up and I should just do it in my Koopa voice and you should do it in your Edward or your um or your Edge voice. Oh, our amazing our Final Fantasy Vol yeah. voice acting. Give us a give us a taste, Lauren. Who are your who are your characters? I was like totally Rydia. Like, oh my god, I just love summoning so much. I'm so powerful. It's and and so he cool. he was opposed to Rydia on the other side. He was one of the main bad guys. Who was one? Of, oh, uh, Galvez. Wait, wait, no, no, no. What did I do? I did like Cartman, didn't I? Uh, um. Oh, I can't get into. I have to go into S Night. I'm Galvez, guys. I'm gonna kill you all. With my gloves, <laughs> and uh, I had edged it, edged towards the proper geezer, mm. always hitting on the ladies, you know. <laughs> right, up, right, well, our bruv. It gave us a lot of respect for uh, the voice actors who do switch between like so many different. I couldn't remember the voices I'd pick, especially yeah. after characters had gone away for a little while. Yeah, yeah. Like when Edge came back, I was like, "What was my Edge accent?" Um, I feel as though it's very regal and quite timid and shy yeah yes. and then you have liam o'brien for kane 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 very nasally yes um but yeah no it, it says the last word last word in a sentence down it was the hard thing about it though why do we always go back to final fantasy 10 <laughs> i don't up? know i don't know whatever yeah um but yeah no like it 10. was um it's a lot of fun. So if you guys ever do ever do want to come on to our uh, streams, we stream on Tuesdays, Thursdays, Saturdays at the moment. Um, we're hoping to change our schedule up at, at some, some point, point, but we'll we're still sort of sort of like working it out. But it is a good time. And we've played through Final Fantasy one, two, three, and four so far. But we're taking a bit of a break, and we're probably going to be playing Life is Strange next. Yes, Daryl has not played it before, and I am excited to see him cry. Thanks. That's it. Yes. <laughs> so, Lauren, what is your thing that you love so much about Final Fantasy X? Well, I just really like... Uh, <laughs> I don't know. No. Um, so, for me, I mean, it kind of is what started off the the videos on YouTube, really, for me. Because, like, we would always talk about the characters in Ten and how they relate to other characters in the story, other characters in the franchise. But... 
10, for some reason, I feel like I can just pick into the sort of different layers of the characters really easily as opposed to like the other um the other games um they just seem to have a lot of depth and there's a lot of themes in there that you can you can see if you if you dive a little deeper like you can see the sort of racism going on between obviously like albed like that's like a that's like a an above layer thing right like you see that there's racism against albed but the the um there's another type of racism that isn't really covered which is against the guado because um the guado are just their own little race but they are very homogenous in their environment and they push out characters like Seymour because he was half Guado, half human, and stuff. And there's a lot of pride with their with their race. Um, the, the Guado, um, yeah, Guado problems are Guado. Yeah, are Guado problems, and like the Ronzo, the Ronzo kind of just stay out of everything. Like it's weird, but um, I feel like that's something that people don't really often talk about is how how they they try to sort of tackle um tackle the complexities of prejudice and how how it can change someone and how it can develop someone into either a really good person or a really bad person it's quite interesting that regard because yeah like we've done so many different character studies over the years and final fantasy 10 it feels like it was the best one at under what explaining motivations and even though they didn't go into mass detail with the characters, what they did do was really provide you with a framework and an explanation for why people have turned out the way they have. Yeah. And I feel as though with the previous games, even though that was there to a degree, it was generally a light touch. Like we didn't really know too much about certain characters or like things that helped to shape them. We might learn something. There was there was usually a side quest where you would learn something about a character. Mm. So like in seven that that game did it pretty well because you had like Red Thirteen um, and the stuff with his father and Bugenhagen. You had Barrett with Coral. Not really too much about Tifa. Mm-hmm. Not really too much about Aerith. Yeah. Like that, they they kind of picked and chose what they what they did because like Aerith was really built out in Crisis Core a bit more. That's where you got to learn about how she grew up in in the slums. But like in the actual main game, it's it's really just glossed over. You have to assume a lot of things about her, and the mm-hmm. same for Tifa. They, they have the little bits about like, you know, what was it like to with Cloud and Tifa back in Nibelheim? But there's a lot of time that kind of passes in these different things. And you, there's a lot of things you have to assume and infer. Mm. Whereas in 10, they just said like, this happened. This was a really big deal. Like yeah. the stuff with Seymour and his mother and father, you see how it plays out. You see how one thing has led to another. Yeah. And it's much clearer in terms of how it's happened and like yeah seven did a good job with it eight not so much like you you, squall yeah but like renoa's is really really like buried yeah and irvine zell like you you don't really know anything like christus you know that she was adopted and it didn't work out but they don't really they don't spend any time exploring any of the characters, really. No, like you don't really. Um, you see a small scene. I remember when we did uh, when we did Cipher's Origins. It's so hard to find like clips and stuff of them as kids because it's basically just one scene, 
and that's that's it. That's the only time that they really like sort of delve into their childhood and, and past. it just mirrors exactly what's happening. Exactly. So, um, yeah, it's it's really it's really interesting. And then, I mean, I think the only other one that I feel did it successfully or as successfully as ten was nine. I think nine nine spent enough time on each on each character to help you understand where they were coming from, except for maybe Amaranth. But like even he still has even he still has like a lot of loyal fans and and um uh, some substance. But yeah. like ten I mean, Ar- was just... Amaranth and Ico kind of were the last members to yeah. join, so it was probably a bit harder. But like yeah. Freya completely Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The um what you call it? Uh the Bilm Bilm Bulmaceans, yeah, her, like the thing with Fratley and and why she is the way that she is, and exactly, and you get to see it with those certain scenes um, about like why she feels the way she she does, why she's kind of become like a lone wanderer, and but I feel like that's why, like in a way, like the Bulmaceans, they weren't really they weren't really talked about outside of from what I can remember of Nine, I don't remember any sequences where there was any sort of. Um, prejudice against them like it kind of felt like everything was so everything was confined to the place in which they were so like black mages dealt with black mage problems and stuff you still saw them but they were like these are black mages and this is their section whereas with final fantasy 10 i felt like they did a good job of meshing everything together and making it feel like a connected world i think is is sort of the thing and i think they did that a lot with with how people viewed other people um and i feel as though they did things that like in the previous games um actions were quite subtle or glossed over mm -hmm. like um final fantasy 7 had some really harsh moments i remember one of them um was where like clouds having like mental breakdowns and barra and tifa are just being relentlessly horrible to him yeah he's saying like he's he's losing his mind like he needs to get it together or they're basically going to abandon him and like you know i I don't really feel as though i paid too much attention to that at the time Mm -hmm. but like wacker and um his his like kind of viewpoints especially like on the way to makalania temple yeah like it's really apparent yeah yeah you see it and you remember it um i mean the one that i always get back to which always makes daryl laugh is that like you know i think the biggest example of how final fantasy 7 didn't do it as well as final fantasy 10 is the fact that nobody remembers the scene where cloud punches the crap out of Aerith. nobody remembers it that is like a huge thing like if that was in if that was in final fantasy 10 you'd remember it. If Titus beat the crap out of Yuna, you'd remember that. I mean, everyone remembers the laughing scene. Yeah, like, you know, it's it's one of those things where, like, how was that glossed over? Whereas, like, Final Fantasy X, you can remember everything. And maybe that was just a difference in time, but every time we bring it up, nobody, everybody's just like, that was a scene? What? What are you talking about? Except for the people who listen to this podcast, obviously, because I I bring it up all the time. Um, But yeah, you know, Um, so it's with Final Fantasy X, like there's, there's the Crusaders um, bit, there's, you really feel emotional for the characters that get lost uh, during Operation Meehan, because they have a whole sort of like grieving section where, you either encounter um is it uh wata and um 
oh, what's the other one? Dota? Is it Dota? I want to say it was like one of those. Luzu. Luzu. Yeah, Luzu and Gata. Luzu and Gata, that's it. Wata. Um, You're just combining people's yeah, names. Yeah, I'm, I'm combining them, you know. Luzu and, Mat- and uh, Gata, when um, either one of them could die, um, depending on what you what you choose to do. And uh, I think that kind of that kind of emotional tie, that kind of like addition just made Spira come to life. And I just felt like I, I still feel that way that Spira is the most lived in world that they've ever created. And I think that that has to do with the fact that they they interlinked all of the characters and the whole world, really. So who do you think is the most complex character? Seymour, 100%. I mean, I love him. I really do. Like, I I mean, obviously, I hate him because of the choices that he makes. But I love the fact that they didn't, they were, they weren't afraid to go completely dark with him. You know, like, they were just like, you know, this guy is evil. He's He's had a really hard life. But we're just going to make him extremely bitter and evil. And like, I think it was so effective. There's so many people who hate him. I feel as though in, he's probably the closest parallel to Kefka. Mm. Um, but I think the difference they made between the two is that they gave Kefka some comic relief. Yeah, they, they made him more likable. Yeah, and like he he has his funny lines, his quirks and everything. He's completely ruthless. And... But then Seymour has that too. Oh, haven't you heard? <laughs> <laughs> but it's not quite like it's Ke- not the like same kefka is dressed as a literal clown yeah yeah and in the localization they made him say some like son of a submariner and like yeah like they were dusting they were, off his shoes yeah there were, there were certain things whereas like i feel like seymour was um it was a, a, a more subtle humor let's mm. say he, he often had his little one-liner quips to to try and antagonize people like especially at the top of mount gargazette where he's like um uh, goading t- uh, Titus about his father and yeah, like, son of Jack, like all of these different things. Like every every line he said was pointed and calculated, whereas Kefka was just rolling off the tongue. Like it, yeah. it, nothing felt planned. He just kind of like was just off his rocker. It feels like that's the separation between that generation versus this generation because we didn't really have that with any of the villains. I don't really feel like we had it as much with the villains in seven through nine i mean maybe uh zorn and thorn like they were a bit they were a bit like that but not i don't think they were anywhere to the degree of like seymour but it is interesting actually to to sort of compare kefka and seymour because like i almost wonder what they would be like if they were switched like if if seymour was in uh final fantasy 6 and then Kefka was in Final Fantasy X, like how much more sickening Kefka's um Kefka's actions would be would be seen. Like yeah. would he be as would he be as lovable? Because like there was that thing where it it's a bit like um back then it was really easy to make dark situations lighthearted. And I feel like Final Fantasy VII did that as well, but like with Final Fantasy X that was when they were just like, no, we have to make this a bit more realistic. Because yeah, Kefka, um, he actually did things like mm. he he like committed genocide and stuff. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Whereas Seymour, he was often the string puller. He never mm. really took the action himself. Like, well, he yeah. did the Ronzo, but yeah, yeah. But you never you don't see it as such. Mm. It's it's like that 
if they'd have shown the act, like he basically just says, like, this is what happened. Yeah. Whereas with Kefka, they actually show, like, they show they him everybody. poisoning the water and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And like, um, uh, what was it? Um, with like Keenock and stuff, like, that was quite a grim, quite a grim section when they basically just offed Keenock. Because but I think they did it in a, in a, in a good way, though, because yeah. again, you don't see him do it. It was a bit disturbing. It was disturbing, is what it was. Sure, I, I think the thing that was probably the most disturbing for me out of that whole section was was Kamari's actions <laughs> and him just standing there going like, "Oh, unpleasant." <laughs> <laughs> what a pity. <laughs> I just think it's so he's so perfect. Um, but yeah, I really like. I think if anything, like talking about Final Fantasy X so much. I really want people to replay the game with the eye of of like seeing Seymour as more of a tragic character and like to see how people feel about him when with that in mind. Yeah, because I feel as though compared to a lot of the other villains that we've seen throughout the franchise, he he was trying to save the world mm. like in his own way whereas i feel as though a lot of the other ones are are just kind of hell-bent on destruction mm-hmm. like kefka wanted to remodel the world in his own way which is basically just kind of the command and conquer kind of thing like seymour didn't crave power he didn't crave well, he did but, but he but he, his mom said he did but he, I, I feel as though his motivation was that he because he had so, had encountered so much pain he wanted to make it was the whole thing of like I guess it's the same as Necron, isn't it? Like mm. in Kuja, they encountered so much pain. They wanted to make sure that no one would ever feel pain again, and the only way you can do that is to make it so that no one's there. It's like um, it's the Ozymandias men- mentality in Watchmen, where he just wanted to obliterate New York City because he was just like, well, this is logic. This is logic. This is what you do. Like we're we're all really bad, so why don't we just all go down with the ship and then. We can all be unsent, which means that we'll live forever. Like what? Nothing can really hurt us. Um, so, yeah, yeah, it is. It is this weird sort of um, weird sort of idea ideology that he has. Yeah, and I, I guess in some ways it does mean that nine and ten parallel each other because mm. ten, sorry, nine was all about humanity. They wanted to use Kefka and Necron to to show the value of humanity. And mm. how, like, yeah, humans go through pain and suffering, but they also have a lot of more positive emotions that they can use to combat those. Mm-hmm. And Seymour had lost those. He had lost the ability to feel happy, yeah. to get any sense of joy out of anything. So he didn't understand how anyone else could. Yeah. And he could only see pain and suffering in everything. Yeah. In everything that happened. Um, whereas, like, I feel like, yeah, like, the, the kind of the, the, the bad guys we got before that point, they were a bit more one-dimensional with their objectives. I think Ultima Sierra is one that could have had a lot more explanation and and um, she could have been so much more powerful mm. if they'd have actually spent some time talking about why she was doing what she was doing. Like, it's kind of inferred and you can talk about different things and stuff. And obviously it's like, you know, it's got to the point in her timeline where there isn't really a future anymore. Mm. But I feel as though if they'd have spent more time running through like giving her a chance to actually explain what's going on because like there's only ever that one scene between Ultima Sea and the cast, right? Yeah. When she just says like cursed seed or whatever. Yeah. Whereas Seymour actually had multiple times to talk about what his plans were, like yeah. why he was doing what he was doing. They t- they It's one of the few games where 
the protagonists actually have multiple conversations with the antagonist because yeah. it didn't happen in six, it didn't really happen in seven, it didn't happen in eight, and it didn't really happen in nine. Mm. Like the the interactions are so brief. Mm-hmm. And I feel it's like 10, yeah, like Seymour, even well, though he was... I mean, I guess Kuja, Kuja they did. Kind of, but like, you know, if you think about when we were doing his origins, he didn't really appear in disc one. Mm. He didn't really appear in disc two. Mm. Most of the time, most of what you see is kind of him in disc three towards mm. the end. And True. most of what you understand about him happens when they're on the in terror. Mm-hmm. Up until that point, like, you don't really know what he's doing, why he's doing it. Yeah. You, can, you can infer, like, a lot of his, like, we were able to build that video out because... You can kind of assume things based on the events that are happening and all these different things. And you have to work backwards to get to that point. Whereas Mm. Seymour is pretty much ever present throughout the entire game. He's he's always there doing something, whether he's whether he's doing something nefarious or not. Like you first meet him at the thing. He's he has the whole thing with um, at the Blitzball tournament. Yeah. He's then Operation Meehan. Yeah. He's then um, at the. Basically, Guado Salam. Yeah, the Guado Salam, with the marriage proposal, yeah, and then, and then, it's then that carries Temple, through. And, uh, that carries through Thunderplanes because he's a subject of conversation with the Thunderplanes, and then yeah, he's a subject in in Makalania. So yeah, and then Bavel, like yeah, he's pretty much in involved with every single thing, and even when he's not there, like when they're in Bicknell Desert and home is being attacked, it's being attacked by Guado, sent probably by either Tremel or um, Seymour. So yeah, I mean, I think that is definitely the case. Um, I think Kefka was 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 similar mm. in in a regard, but he never really had the chance to talk to the mm. to the characters. Yeah, you'd see like other scenes where he's like talking to Gestal and and and, and you never have the uh, uh, idea that he is anything other than evil. Yeah, like he's always been. It's always been one note. I mean, you can kind of infer with Seymour when his music plays because it, it is a bit like twisted. <laughs> But, like, you see, when you first meet Seymour, when I first met, like, Seymour at Operation Meehan, I was just kind of like, he's kind of making sense. Like, you know, let them let them try and defeat Sid. Why abandon their hope? Like, it, it was it was to me without knowing what his character was going to be. He seemed like he was just a misunderstood yeah. person and or he was just like a gray area of the Meister. So he was just being like, um, yeah, he was just being uh, going against the grain. And, and I think that's one of the things that makes him so good as an antagonist. Because mm-hmm. again, going back to all the previous ones, pretty much as soon as you see them all for the first time, you know they're bad. Mm-hmm. Like Sephiroth is doing bad things immediately. Kefka's, uh, sorry, Kuja's doing bad things. Kefka's doing bad things. Ultima Seer's doing... They're all doing bad things off the bat. Yeah. Whereas Seymour, the first time you see him, he saves everyone. Yeah. Like he saves everyone from the fiend invasion at the Blitzball tournament mm-hmm. at Operation Meehan. He helps you fight against the fiends. Yeah. Like he's your ally. Yeah. It's only once they um they learn about what he did to Jiskel that you start to think oh well, there's a couple of hints before that with yeah. like Oren's kind of not overly pleased with yeah, he to doesn't see really him. Like, um... and, yeah, it's and, then, and they make Tidus not like or Titus, they make they make him not like him. Mm-hmm. Just just like as a person. Yeah. Yeah, he doesn't like him. But you think initially it's just because he's jealous of him. Exactly. And, and I told you, I told that, everyone yeah. at the start of the episode, this is what would happen, yeah. right? Massive full-blown discussion. I know. But that's that's the thing. That's what that's what I love about 10 because of this. Because it can help. It can just 
it's just interesting. But I also think the thing that's great about the franchise is that, you know, we've said some things there. We've made some comparisons, which I'm sure some of you who are listening will think are probably a bit unfair mm. in terms of the other games. And maybe we have forgotten some things and because we do have... I don't know why we just have this really intimate knowledge with 10 yeah. more than any of the other games. Yeah. And when obviously when you're looking at the other games and you do look, you do see other things and you but it's like 15, isn't it? I think mm-hmm. that's one of the bugbears that everyone has with 15 and 13 to a degree. If you want to find these things, you have to dig really really deep. Yeah. Yeah, and I think like because 10 is so easy to play, I'm I'm more inclined to go back to it um uh, uh, you know and in, in, in defense of those games it there's nothing wrong with having to dig deep to find the lore it's mm. what it's what games like or franchises like dark souls hollow knight they've they've made their story that way intentionally mm. that you have to join the dots off it's so subtle you're looking at background scenery and stuff to to infer all these different things about what's happened and alliances and 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 that's that's great that people have been able to do that but I feel as though there's a kind of like 10 and uh, sorry, 13 and 15 struggled just because of how they were built. It wasn't the intention really yeah. of that, what of the, uh, of how it built out. But I think a lot of what you've discussed actually kind of goes mi- along with what you're. Yeah. And I, I actually wasn't too sure how you were going to talk about it. Yeah. Um, but like my, my aspect is really the world building mm-hmm. the spirit itself. I feel as though in the history of the franchise, not too much time has really been spent on the individual places. Mm. So like, especially in the earlier years, you had different kingdoms and you'd go to those kingdoms as part of your quest. Yeah. You'd never really go back to any of them. No, they all seem the same. Exactly. Like in, we just did four. You've got obviously Damsan, you've got Fabul, you've got um, Baron, and like they all have a castle irrespective of who they are. And, you know, one of them's monks, one of them's kind of the Red Wings. I don't really know what Damsan is because most of the people are kind of not alive anymore. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, you go to these different places, but there's not there's not really any sense of interaction. Six had it a bit mm. because of the Castalian Empire taking over places. But again, it, it's not really the same. Mm. It's, it doesn't really feel like it's a world that's lived in because you're coming at the end of everything. Like mm. the Castalian Empire have pretty much steamrolled everyone already. Mm. Uh, and nine, as you said, it's it's pockets. You've got Alexandria, you've got Bermacia and Clara, who have obviously got their kind of conflict. Mm-hmm. You've got um, Dali, you've got Lindblom. Um, but uh, but everything's already happened. And again, they don't really interact with each other. Like it's just Alexandrians are in Alexandria, Lindblom citizens are in Lindblom. There's like the trade routes that you see happening, but nothing, there's not, yeah, like it's, they're just the same people in a different location essentially yeah. and and even when you have the Burmeseans and the clarens y- yeah like y- you have to cross through like all these bridges and walls to get to the other locations they clearly don't spend much time talking to each other mm. they're, they're neighbors who used to have a bit of war and now they're not and that's kind of it really mm. whereas in in 10 you had so many various tribes and religions and when you went through places you understood why they were in the way that they were mm-hmm. and when you went to someone like Luca you saw all the people interacting with each other and as you went through uh, Spira you'd see all the different motivations and and how they kind of worked together because they do interact like the mm-hmm. Guado after Operation Mehent start to filter out you see like Ronzo on the council and like there were so many 
political undertones, affiliations that change. Yeah. Like everyone ha- where you go has this kind of obsession with Yevon and most of the people don't like the Albed. But as you're going through the game, you start to see those those things change. But even still, you have someone like Rin who's able to have his um his travel, traveling traveling business. lodges yeah. uh, like in just in in places and people don't mind him like mm. it's not like everyone inherently but even he has a story because yeah. even he like evil. you know he starts off well he's just um <laughs> he thanks you at the end of the at the end of the game like everybody who you've helped along the way like rin and stuff they all thank you in the end for supporting them awaka the 23rd um a walk of the 23rd uh thanks you and like even goes to jail because of you essentially um and yeah like i think they just did such a good job with with making everybody lived in and i think another one another bit that they um and i don't know if this was an intentional or not but i feel like blitzball is another thing that they really that really helped them connect everything because there were so many people around who you could hire to help your team in Blitzball. Like you you would go and revisit places to try and find the members and stuff. And I feel like there was just such a connection with Blitzball. And I felt like there wasn't really that with other sections. Like with Final Fantasy VIII, you had Triple Triad, but there was no like, there was no like Triple Triad tournament. There was no, like, section of the game where it was like, oh, we really have to focus on Triple Triad. It was just kind of like a thing that you could do. And I think you've actually hit the nail on the head there in some degree as well, because Blitzball was something that brought all the different communities together. Mm. And there wasn't really another game that had done that. Mm. Like, in Final Fantasy IV, right at the end, like, all the people you've met, like come together but it's the protagonist really yeah and like final fantasy 9 at the end um there's kind of support from the different air forces but it's basically the alexandrian air force mm. like there's not really a notion of like the planet or everyone coming together to do something against something or, mm. or to do something together whereas blitzball you've got the six teams they are they represent all of the different um factions essentially although they were too cut they would have fact, uh, represented the crusaders and and bevel um, but you've got like Kilika, you've got a Besaid, you've got the Ronzo, you've got the Albeds. Like they're all able to compete in this tournament and their fans are all together, able to come together and congregate. And it was the only thing that really, yeah, like that where that, that happened. I can't really mm. think of another thing in the franchise where you have that notion of everyone, everyone, no matter, irrespective of like um, race, affiliation, whatever, comes together to enjoy something yeah. or, or teams up to do something. Yeah. And it is one of the things where, like, actually, like, thinking about what you said before about um, about sort of Seymour and Joy, there aren't a lot of moments in Final Fantasy X with Joy. There's not a lot of joyful moments. It's a, it's a lot of sad. It's yeah. a lot of um, emotional moments. was supposed Blitzball, to be that thing. Blitzball is a thing. I mean, you have, like, little pockets, like, where Yuna, like, messes up her hair and stuff. But, like, Luca is, like, the high point. Like, that is that is the point where everybody is just, like, happy and and sort of carefree and then it just kind of yeah there's nothing there's no high from that anymore like i would also say that like blitzball in itself is is great because it's it's the original thing you see as the justification or like it, it, it it's the um it's the representation of bevel's corruption because mm. it's it's run by machina sponsored by Yevon. yeah like it's it's mon- it's it's run by Ma- like the blitzball whole blitzball arena is a piece of machina yeah and they basically say like well yeah but we're okay to use it it because it brings everyone so much happiness yeah and it's like well 
Yeah, like how how <laughs> is crap. how is like Wacker okay with playing Blitzball in using technology, yeah. but he like abhors it because yeah. of the religious teachers. Yeah. And that's the other thing as well, is like the religion, the religion aspect I think also really makes it having having people have opinions over the religious aspect of of the world was also really um effective because you had so many people in spira who cared about yevon and really loved loved uh, following the teachings of yevon but then you have like the albed who were who oppose it and it's like the fact that they had the challenging within the game itself as well i think made it it made like, it nice because you could choose. You it was could like the three yourself. tiers, wasn't yeah. it? Because the Albed were there. The Crusaders were kind of half, like they were like yeah. an intermediary. Yeah. They didn't strictly follow uh, Yevon's teachings, uh, but they didn't use the Machina as such. But like, obviously when it comes down to it, it's it's not the Albed that end up challenging and breaking everything. It's it's you. Yeah. And, you know, there's the the whole thing that with, with Lulu mm-hmm. uh, in, in the fight against Unaleska, where it's like, you know, the teachings, everything that we've worked like, all these years, we've been lied to kind of thing. I know you like, you pretty much know the line off by heart. Yeah. <laughs> but like, you know, it's it's that kind of that moment where even her, like she was not the most ardent of supporters. You'd think it would be Waka. Yeah. Like he was Yevon, Mr. Yevon through yeah. and through. Whereas Lulu was a bit more kind of like, yeah, well, you know, like I'll, mm. I'll, I'll go along with the teachings, but I'm not going to like follow them to a T. Yeah. But then she was the one who felt the most betrayed. Yeah. 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 And yeah, like it, it really is interesting. And the fact that like, um, I mean, this is going to kind of run into one of our videos soon, but um, basically there's, um, there's something you can do. I think it's from, is it from Luca or is it from Guado Salam? You can go through the entire game. You can go backwards. It it must be before Malkalania, before you go into, before you go off to Malkalania, which is basically when the whole game changes and the opinion of you changes. Um, you can go back through the entirety of the game all the way to basically Luca. Um, and the NPCs, will have reacted to what has been going on in the game like it's crazy like you can you can literally see how the world has watched you essentially and seen what you've done and heard about what you've done and um like i don't know any other game that has that like if you in in like Final Fantasy 7, like if you go back to calm would they give a frick about what what you've been doing at Nibelheim Probably not the best of examples. No, because Calm is uh, the 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 plant town where no one particularly cares about. Well, anything. okay, okay. Where does Nibelheim? Does let's what say, happens? Let's say, let's say the Chocobo Chocobo like it's like Nibelheim is <laughs> also another plant. Uh, Cosmo Canyon. Cosmo Cos- Canyon. Cosmo Canyon's neutral. It's one of the only places that actually yeah. exists that's neutral. Does Cosmo Canyon care about what happens at Gold Saucer? Probably not. It's like, but in in ten because everything's so linked. And because of the places that you go to are so important, they all care about each other and they all hear about each other. And there's like small sequences that you can find that won't happen unless you do go back. And um, yeah, I love it. I love I love the fact that you can still find things now. And this is going beyond platinuming a game like Final Fantasy X. Like you 
there there's so much more to find in the game and i just i haven't really found that with the other games like obviously there was like the mini game that never that was never found or the sequence that was never found in final fantasy 9 but that's just because they had a bad a really terrible guidebook but like i just i i love that i love that about 10 and i think that is a natural conclusion yeah to our conversation there yes. lauren yeah, but yeah, I I really want to know if you guys because the uh, the reason why also we're talking about it is because it's coming up to a big anniversary. It's going to be is it twenty years old? Twenty years, which year, is yeah. just crazy. I can't believe that it's been twenty years since this game was first out. And um, yeah, like, what do you would you like to hear us talk more about it and what aspects? Because I mean, I feel like I feel like we might come back to it at some point this year. Yeah, I think we're going to be producing a lot more Final Fantasy X content this year. Um, the an- anniversary is actually in, well, the Japanese anniversary is in, in July. Mm. It'll be later in the year for North Americans. And then it wouldn't be until next year for us in Europe because <laughs> of everything that happened around we'll that. We'll ignore that. Or we'll just celebrate Final Fantasy X forever. Yes, forever and ever and ever. Because yeah. we should do, because it's, it's a great game. Yeah, and it it's is. really sad that a lot of people have been placing it lower and lower on their tier lists mm. because of the laughing scene. I know, I know. Just ignore the freaking laughing scene. It was Kojima's or uh, Kojima Nojima's acting class. Kojima infiltrated yeah. the game. <laughs> Kojima infiltrated the game. Yes, no, no. Um, There's pictures of him in Nojima. I met Nojima. Nojima went to an acting class and just wanted to laugh. So just leave it alone. Yeah. That's that's pretty much it for the discussion. Hopefully you guys enjoyed listening to us ramble on about Final Fantasy X for probably the umpteenth time. And uh, yeah, like we in- we're interested to hear what you think. Uh, well, why why you always go back to Final Fantasy X? Like, what mm. what specific thing is it about uh, the game that that always brings you back and and makes you want to play it again? Mm. We look forward to hearing your discussions. On that note, the next episode of Final Fantasy Union is scheduled to come out on the 9th of February. Be sure to check out old episodes at finalfantasyunion.com. And remember, if you enjoy what we do, please support us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash FFKHUnion. For now, though, it's time to say goodbye. Bye, everyone. And I'm Daryl saying goodbye. This has been a finalfantasyunion.com production. <laughs>